Today, we're talking about rejoicing in God's judgment, and, and specifically, we're talking about his judgment of Babylon, but I want to take this more personal and not way out there in the distant future, but am I rejoicing in God's judgment in my life today? Do I believe that he is a sovereign God and that the things that come my way are sifted through the hands of his love? used to glorify him, and used to prepare me for eternity, my eternal good. And so then do I then choose to what? Rejoice in his judgment for what he has given me today. Now, rejoicing is part of life, but so is lamenting. We must lament as well, for lamenting brings us to what? Rejoicing. So sometimes I think what happens as Christians, we sort shortcut it. We think, I can't lament, I must what? Rejoice. And because we have not lamented, the joy seems fake. Okay? And so we must first lament the brokenness of the world and then rejoice that God is making it right. Because he is going to end evil. And Jesus is what? King. Uh, there are notes on the back table. If you want notes and you want to follow along, you get to fill in things. And, and then if you don't want to fill in things, but you just want to follow along, you flip to the back and all the filled in one is there. So back table. Also, uh, if you want digital notes, uh, you can scan that QR code and they will come up on your phone and all the uh, references will be hyperlinked for you. Let's turn to Revelation chapter 18 and we're going to begin in verse 1, so turn now. Um, have you ever wondered if justice will ever prevail? You ever wondered that? You look around the world and you're like, uh, this isn't right, that isn't right, that isn't right. Will justice ever prevail? I do. I watch the news. Anytime I listen to the news, I come away with that question feeling going, uh, wow, it's sideways, Right? Like me, do you find yourself lamenting because wickedness and injustice prosper? You're like, one more broken thing? And then you may be tempted when you lament to turn that inward and turn that towards depression. Oh, man, like Eeyore. Yeah, it's a good day. I know. Right? You may be tempted to be an Eeyore. But I would encourage you to take that sorrow, take that lament that you're feeling, and, and that desire for justice to turn it towards the, the reality that truth, that goodness, that Eden renewed is coming because Jesus has made the way. Right? He did it through the cross, validated in the resurrection, and that day is coming when you will share in his glory. Oh, what a day that will be when we all see Jesus and we sing and shout, what? The victory. Victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. Amen? Revelation 18.1. After this, I saw another angel coming down from heaven, having great authority, and the earth was made bright with his glory. And he called out with a mighty voice, fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. She has become the dwelling place for demons, the haunt for every unclean spirit, the haunt for every unclean bird, and a hungry, unclean, detestable beast. 
For all the nations have drunk the wine of the passion of her sexual immorality, and the kings of the earth have committed immorality with her, and the merchants of the earth have grown rich from the power of her luxurious living. So in verse 1, we see a messenger coming from heaven, filling the earth with God's glory. Since this messenger has glory, and the whole earth is made bright by it, many scholars think this bringing good news. The one who brought it to begin with is bringing it again. In verse, the messenger has good news. Babylon has been judged, amen? The, the system of the world that is in opposition to God has been judged. Justice has been served. It has been done not partially, but totally. Totally in finality. This is communicated by the repeating of fallen twice in the text. And it is in the description of it being a dwelling place for demons and unclean animals, which were often understood by Jewish interpreters to represent evil spirits, as shown in Isaiah 13, 21 and Isaiah 34, 11 through 14. The reason for God judging her is that all the nations have drunk her Kool-Aid. Her Kool-Aid is a sexual immorality that represents the idolatry of choosing her instead of who? God. The kings of the earth commit immorality with her as well, committing idolatry. The merchants commit idolatry through the idolization of wealth and power. Wealth is not a bad thing. Power is not a bad thing. It's what you do with it. Do you make it more important than God? Do you put it before God? If you idolize wealth, if you idolize power, then you have a problem. We see that the wicked will not always what? Prosper. In this we what? Rejoice. Amen? Praise the Lord. Verse 4. Then I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, lest you partake in her sins, lest you share in her plagues. Come out of her, for her sins are heaped as high as the heaven, and God has remembered her iniquity. Pay her back as she herself paid back others, and repay her double for her deeds. Mix a double portion for her in the cup she mixed. As she glorified herself and lived in luxury, so give her a like measure of torment and mourning. Since in her heart she says, I sit as queen, I am no widow. And mourning I shall never see. For this reason, her plagues will come on her in a single day. Death and mourning and famine, and she will, not, she will be borne up with fire. For mighty is the Lord God who has, what? Judged her. So the Old Testament background for verse 4 is Jeremiah 51, 6. Flee from the midst of Babylon. Let everyone save his life. Be not cut off in her punishment. For this is the time of the Lord's vengeance and the repayment he is rendering. John reminds us in 15, 18 through 19 that we have been chosen out of the world. If we confess Jesus as Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, he has chosen you out of this world. And you are no longer part of this world system. You're in the world, but what? Not of the world. Okay? 
So we're being called out of the world, out of Babylon. Okay? So we're talking about Babylon symbolizing the world system here, and we've been called out of that system. Praise the Lord. And John 15, 19 says, If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world, what? Hates you. Now, I think sometimes in our life, life, not life, <laughs> we want to be liked, right? And we're tempted to compromise ethics. We're com- tempted to compromise values so that we are what? Liked. It's called what? Peer pressure? Really feel it as teenagers sometimes, right? But we even feel this maybe at the workplace, right? We act like they do so that we're liked. So Paul reminds us how we are called out of Babylon, out of the world, how we're to act differently. We come out through the power of Jesus' death and his resurrection. And it is demonstrated in Colossians 2, 20 through 3.17. Now that's a long read, but I think all this is very pertinent, so please listen. If with Christ you have died to the elemental spirits of the world, why, as if you were still alive in the world, do you submit to regulations? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch, referring to things that all perish as if they are used according to human precepts and teaching. These have indeed a, the appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion and asceticism and severity to the body, but they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. Anybody any have trouble stopping the indulgence of the flesh? And anybody here do things that like, uh, that like disciplines, and I'm not saying disciplines are bad, but disciplines in and of themselves have no advantage, right? To, to curb the, the of the flesh. What is it that does take away and, and, and put a, a coffin <laughs> on that lust of the flesh? What is it? Our identity in Christ. If then you have been what? Raised with Christ. Seek the things that are above. Christ is seated at the right hand of God. For yourself. You know, so often we, our Protestant circles, make a big emphasis of, of our sin. And, and it is true. We are sinners. <laughs> and I'll be the first to admit it. I, I, I sin regularly, and I sometimes I even sin from the pulpit. And I hate that, but I do. Right? I use language that I shouldn't. But, but here we, we understand that we are sinners, but we are saved by grace. And, and not only are we saved, but the next thing is that God has made you a new creature. Behold, all things have passed away. Behold, all things are new. That is your identity. If you've confessed Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then he has given you a new identity. That verse is calling you into that identity. Don't associate, don't recognize, uh, uh, identify with the, thing, the things of the flesh. Identify with God, the things that are above. And he makes it very specific here. Set your mind, what are you thinking about, right? Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. This is how we come out of the world, out of Babylon. Verse 3. For you have what? Died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. You have died with Christ. You've taken up your cross, right? And you're dead. You're, you're dead to those things. When Christ is who, who is your life, 
then you will also appear with him in glory. Amen? So put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. And on the account of these, God, the wrath of God is coming. Verse 7. And these you too once walked when you were living in them. If you, if you confess Jesus as Lord then, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you were this, but you are not this now. That's not who you are. So step into the identity that God has given you and walk in it. Verse 8, but now you must put them all away, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. I, I struggle with that last one. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge after the image of its creator, after the image of Christ. Here there is no Greek, Jew, circumcised, uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all in all. Hallelujah. Put on then God as chosen Chosen ones, holy, beloved, compassionate hearts. You are chosen. You are holy. You are beloved. And we're to put on compassionate hearts. We're to put on kindness. We're to put on humility. We're to put on meekness. And we're going to put on that P word too. Patience. Bearing with one another. And if anyone has a complaint against another, forgiving one another. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. And above all these, put on love. Put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which indeed you were called into one body. And be thankful. The word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching, admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus giving thanks to God, through God the Father, through him. The word of the Lord. Verse 5, Babylon's sins are heaped into to the heavens. In the Greek, the word is kuleo, which literally means to be glued together, giving the picture of sins sticking to each other and accumulating until the pile reaches heaven. <laughs> now that's a lot of sin. And that's a lot of sin that we are not to partake in. We are not of this world. And it is the reason for judgment. The Old Testament background for verse 6 is Jeremiah 50, 29. Summon the archers against Babylon, all those who bend the bow. Encamp around her, let no one escape. Repay her according to her deeds. Do to her to all that she has done, for she has proudly defied the Lord the Holy One of Israel. In verse 6, Babylon will get the judgment she deserves. The idea of double repeated twice in the text is an idiom, a, a, a form of language 
which communicates the idea of giving the exact equivalent and repayment in full. God is not softening his blow. Babylon will get her just desserts. The Old Testament background for verse 7 through 8 is Isaiah 47, 7 through 9, which says, You said I shall be a mistress forever, so that you did not lay these sayings to heart or remember their end. Now therefore, hear this, you lover of pleasure, who sit securely, who say in your heart, I am, and there is no one besides me. I shall, sit as a, I shall not sit as a widow or know the loss of children. These two things shall come upon you in a moment. In one day, the loss of your children and the widowhood shall come upon you in full measure. In the spite of your many sorceries and the great power of your enchantment. In both of these passages, we see the pride and the self-sufficiency of Babylon. And what does pride bring? What does pride bring in my life? What does pride bring in your life? It brings swift judgment. For God is opposed to the proud. James 4, 6. But gives grace to who? The humble. So what do you want? Judgment or grace? Humble yourself before God and receive his grace. Rejoicing in his judgment. And the kings of the earth who committed sexual immorality, verse 9, lived in luxury with her, will weep and wail over her when they see the smoke of her burning. They will stand afar off in fear of her torment, saying, At last, at last, you great city, you mighty city, Babylon, for a single hour, your judgment, in a single hour, your judgment has come. The kings of the earth are in deep mourning for her judgment. They, what are we to do, though? What are we to do? We're to what? Rejoice in God's judgment. Rejoice in that future judgment, that justice is coming. Rejoice in my present day. James says, count it all what? Joy when you encounter trials of various kinds. Why? Because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance, and endurance produces maturity, preparing you for an eternity, an eternity with God. Verse 12. Oh, I guess not verse 12. Sorry, I needed to read verse 11. My bad. And the merchants of the earth weep and mourn for her, since no one buys their cargo anymore. Cargo of gold, silver, pearls, fine linen, purple cloth, silk, scarlet cloth, all kinds of scented wood, all kinds of articles of ivory, all kinds of articles of costly wood, bronze, iron, marble, cinnamon, spice, incense, myrrh, frankincense, wine, oil, the fine flour, wheat, cattle, sheep, horses, chariots, slaves. That is human souls. The, the, the commerce of the earth is greatly disturbed <laughs> by the judgment of Babylon. The fruits for which your soul longed has gone from you, and all your delicacies and all your splendors are lost to you, never to be found again. There's no fulfillment in the things of the world. No lasting fulfillment in wealth. It will all be gone. Do not lay up your treasures in 
on the earth where moth and rust destroy, but lay up your treasures where? In heaven. Verse 16. No, verse... I'm not cueing you very good, sorry. The merchants of these wares who gained wealth from her will stand afar off in fear of her torment, weeping and mourning aloud. At last, at last, for the great city that was clothed in fine linen, in purple and scarlet, adorned with gold, with jewels and with pearls. For in a single hour, all this wealth has been laid waste. All the shipmasters, seafarers, men, sailors, and all those who trade is on the sea stood afar off and cried out say, and saw the smoke of the boring. What city was like the great city? And they threw dust on their heads, and they wept and they mourned, crying out, At last, at last, for the great city, where all the ships at sea had grew rich by her wealth, for in a single hour she has been laid waste. The Old Testament background for this is Ezekiel 26 through 28. I'm not going to read all of that, but I would encourage you to do that. With the judgment and lamenting of Tyre, which was a world commerce in Jeremiah's day. And Ezekiel's day. The merchants of the earth are in deep mourning for her judgment, for they lost their idolized wealth. They, what are we to do? Well, we are to rejoice. Revelation 18 makes that clear. It's commanded clearly. Rejoice over her, O heaven, and you what? Saints and apostles and prophets, for God has given judgment for you to her. The Old Testament for verse 20 is Jeremiah 51, 48, which says, Then the heavens and the earth and in all that is in them shall sing for joy over Babylon, for the destroyer shall come against them out of the north, declares the Lord. I'm reminded of the saints under the altar in Revelation 6, 9 through 11, who were lamenting, How long, how long before you avenge your blood, they were saying. But now they are called to what? Rejoice in God's judgment, for Babylon is being judged. Bill writes, the focus is not on the delight in Babylon's suffering, which is horrendous, but on the successful outcome of God's execution of justice. Amen? And it demonstrates the integrity of Christian faith and of God's just character. In this, we rejoice, for evil is vanquished, and Jesus is king. The judgment of Babylon is repeated in Revelation 18 through 21, a different image to communicate the totality of its destruction. Then the mighty angel, then a mighty angel took up a stone like a great millstone and threw it in the sea, saying, So will Babylon, the great city, be thrown down with violence, and will no and will be found what? No more. And the sound of the harpists and the magician of the flute players and the trumpeters will be heard in you. And the craftsmen of any craft will be found in you. And the sound of the mallet will be heard in you. And the light of the lamp will shine in you. And the voice of the bridegroom will be heard in you. For your merchants were the great ones of the earth and all, your na- all the nations were deceived by your sorcery. And in her was found the blood of the prophets and of the saints and of all who have been slain on the earth. The Old Testament background for this is Jeremiah 51, which promise, prophesizes the utter destruction of Babylon 
Jeremiah 51, 63 through 64 really makes the tide clear. Let's look at this. Jeremiah is writing the judgment of Babylon. And it says when you finish reading this book and writing this book, tie a stone to it and cast it into the midst of the Euphrates and say, thus shall Babylon sink to rise no more. Because of the disaster that I bring upon her, they shall become exhausted. Thus far are the words of Jeremiah. Babylon will be destroyed. No more music. No more work. No more light. No more families. Why? Because her leading the world in idolatry through sorcery and persecution of God's people. So let's look at Revelation 19, 1 through 5. The result of the judgment. It says, after this, I heard what seemed to be a loud voice, a great multitude in heaven crying out, Hallelujah, salvation and glory and power be to our God. For his judgments are true and just. For he has judged the great prostitute who corrupted the earth with her immorality and has avenged on her the blood of his servant. Once more they cried out, Hallelujah! The smoke from her goes up forever and ever. And the 24 elders and the four living creatures fell down and worshipped God who was seated on the throne saying, Amen! Hallelujah! And from the throne came a voice saying, Praise our God, all you his servants, you who fear him, small and great. Praise our God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, God is just, rejoice in his judgments, praise him everyone, both great and small, both angel and human, for salvation and glory and power are his, hallelujah, let us pray. Father God, we do choose to praise you, we do cry out the hallelujah in the presence of of our enemies, for you are victorious. And we thank you for that. We ask that you will empower us to come out, to, to step into the identity that you have given us in Christ, in his resurrection, that we are made alive, and that we are dead to sin and the old ways, and we are made alive in Christ Jesus, made alive to love, made alive to kindness, made alive to gentleness, made alive to being patient with one another, forbearing one another, loving one another, just as you loved us, and forgiving one another. We ask that you would help us to step into that reality this week, and that we would rejoice, rejoice in your judgments. Lord, help us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.